0: And if you know Ergo, we love independent and we love shit not being locked down. So, <laughs> so go ahead and get Overcast for free on the App Store.
2: It's a cruel world. But this is what we have. This is what's given us. And we have to do what we can in this cruel world.
1: I'm Damon. I'm Daniel. Welcome to Climate Changemakers, presented by Elevate, who for over 20 years have worked to create a just and equitable world in which everyone has clean and affordable heat, power, and water in their homes and communities, no matter who they are or where they live. We're so excited to be back for a second season
0: talking with some of the most impactful environmental justice visionaries in this land about what ideas guide their work, what strategies have been effective, and what advice they have for Elevate, as the organization works to put people and the planet first in the fight to build equity through climate action.
1: On this episode, we were so grateful to have Nicole Nelson and Valerie Marion.
0: Nicole Nelson is the founder and executive director of Equity Legal Services, where she litigates on behalf and works with residents in Centerville, Illinois, who've had to contend with hazardous environmental conditions for decades. Nicole's joined by Valerie Marion, one of the lead organizers with Centerville Citizens
1: for Change. Valerie um, is obviously a resident of Centerville who was able to speak from experience. And so I was really grateful to have Valerie in this conversation with Nicole to not just talk through the legalities or to, to move through system actors, uh, but we really were able to receive and witness the true human impact Not only of this issue and the fact that Centerville is experiencing catastrophic conditions in sewage and stormwater runover, but also the impact of having to consistently talk about it and share the story. And so having Valerie in conversation with Nicole really just grounded me in not only respect, but a deep empathy that we can sometimes move past when talking about these seemingly political issues.
0: So that they didn't have to give the context that they've given a million times. We skipped over it, but we want you all to have it uh, before you get into this conversation. Centerville is a town in Southern Illinois of about 5,000 people and five square miles. It's the poorest city in the state of Illinois, as well as one of the poorest cities in the nation, and has a population that's about 96% Black. Since the 80s, pump stations in Centerville that were designed to pump sewage away from homes have barely functioned, leading raw sewage to flood into streets and homes. Centerville residents fear for their safety every day, needing to be rescued by boats during flooding. They fear for their health, suffering respiratory issues and other diseases, and for their financial well-being, becoming further entrenched in poverty as the flooding damages their homes and possessions. It was so valuable to hear not just about the cost of that, but also to hear some of the demands and push that come from the people doing this work, one for accountability, but also for transformation into a community that has the things that people deserve to be able to live a dignified life.
1: So please, please go to floodedandforgotten.com. But more importantly, on that page, there is a donate tab, which takes you to the GoFundMe to support the citizens of Centerville. So please, if you can, and if you have the resources, contribute to this work and contribute to the well-being of folks who are enduring things that no humans should have to go through.
0: All right. Let's get to this conversation with Nicole and Valerie. We start with the same question we start every episode with, which is, in this time, however you define time, how is the world treating you, and how are you treating the world?
2: It's a cruel world. It's a world that you you have to really adjust to because it changes day by day. And it's it's something that, I've learned to live with. I'm grateful to, to still be here to see
0: this world.
2: I can't say I make no big splash or anything in it, but I'm, I'm here.
0: And we're so grateful to have you here. Nicole, how's the world treating you? How are you treating the world? (laughs) I
2: don't
3: know how to answer that question.
0: Um, It's a hard question. It
3: is, isn't it? It's a real hard question. (laughs) Um, And I'm cynical, so
2: I don't know if I have anything positive to say.
1: Cynicism is welcome. Uh,
2: (laughs) Yeah,
3: the world can be, it's frustrating, right? So just taking it day by day, I think that's the only thing, at least I know how to do. Whether we're talking big picture or Centerville specifically, right? It is frustrating. It can be discouraging. I think the one kind of. Internal mantra that we kind of have is just everybody can't get discouraged at the same time. And so, as far as how I'm treating the world, um, (laughs) probably pretty combatively, if you ask. You ask our adversaries, but I think that's needed because of what's been going on.
0: As you mentioned, let's let's place this conversation in Centerville. As two folks who aren't there, we're going to try not to ask you the questions that you've had to answer a million times and tell that story over and over again. But I do want to ground this in where you are and what are the things that we need to know in order to frame this conversation correctly about Centerville and about this fight?
2: It's the story that everybody tells that we live here in Centerville and we're suffering. We need help and we're fighting for help, but it seems like nobody's hearing us. I guess they're not hearing us because they're not living it. We live it every single day. And they want to say that there's no problem. We see it. We live it. We experience it. And it's frustrating. It's hurtful. It's some of the worst things that, that you could think of. They should come and live here just for a while to see just what we go through, how our homes that we've paid for and live in, how they're damaged. I mean, you know, if you've lived in a home for most of your life or whatever, you're not trying to go anywhere. Because that's your home. Most people can't afford to move. We're here. We're here to stay. And all we want is some help. And nobody's trying to do it. I'm tired. I'm tired of talking about it. All I I want is some action. Just give me some action. I mean, the flooding and the sewage issues
3: have been happening for at least 50 years. Right? So this isn't new. It's just now kind of hitting the media consistently. And so the people who are being forced to be at the table are being forced to pay attention. That doesn't mean that they're still bringing resolutions that are the most equitable or helpful. I was talking to a, a Centerville resident who reached out today and she was like, look, when I bought my home, I pay taxes. I should be able to flush my toilet, right? I think that pretty much sums it up. You know, there's a resident, they can't um, fully use their sink because sometimes they flush a the toilet in it. that comes up in the sink or in the bathtub. And that's been going on for people for decades, right? And that's not even including the stormwater flooding that they deal with whenever it rains, right? It has to be frustrating to live in these circumstances and one, not know when it rains, what it's going to do. And two, if you're going to get any help, which you're not, you're not, you're not going to get a spoiler alert, you're not going to get any help, right? Yeah.
1: So I, I want to even pause a little bit. I feel like pause before we even start because I just want to like, acknowledge what I'm feeling, an offering of love. I'm learning about this recently in preparing for this conversation and wanting to document it and further expose and shed light to it. But I think one of the things I'm recognizing is that I've not had as close a connection to something as horrible as this on like, a structural, environmental level. Um, there's a humanity That I'm feeling as this is is new to me. And I just want y'all to know as we're in this conversation that there is is an offering of love and and an empathy to something that is just so horrible and so inexcusable. And so I want to also in that context of, of offering that love to you, just even rewind a little bit because I am seeing and learning now that this horrific flooding and sewage is becoming untenable and I think require collective responsibility. Uh, but, but Nicole, I just heard you mention that this is like a 50-year history. And so just for some of our listeners who I imagine are also going to to have some of this empathy and sympathy, if we could just start at the beginning of when this infrastructure problem came about, when the lack of responsibility became clear, if we're mapping out 50 years, this seems to go back to segregation organizations. So if if I could just get as like a humble student and listener, like a little bit of the origin story as I'm trying to like catch up to just the the impact that I hear being named.
3: I mean, I think um, we're still learning. The residents that we have met over the years, they will tell you that when they moved into different parts of Centerville, as far back as the early 60s, it was nice but there were still also flooding issues. Their neighborhoods are mostly white um, and they were the first black families on their block. And I think we all know the story of white flight. Um, and then as the white neighbors moved out, they noticed over the next you know, five years or so, the lack of maintenance, lack of road upkeep, right? The lack of system upkeep, a few things here and there. And then all of a sudden, things just started collectively happening, more, more flooding, more sewage issues, right? Um, And so folks who are in their 80s and 90s and their children in their 50s saying, oh, it's flooded here and we've had sewage issues since I was a kid. This area is called the American Bottoms, also used to be part of the Mississippi River. There is a desire for some to say, oh, that's why. But it's not the reason why they have a failed infrastructure system, right? Um, There has been a complete indifference to the upkeep of these systems. There's a whole background to where Centerville is in this low lying area, and then up above it is Belleville, a wider community, and their water rushes down into this community, and not only naturally, but through some man-made channels, right? So there's definitely some racial overtones to the history behind the way stormwater channels through Centerville and also the way the sanitary sewer system has been completely neglected, particularly over the last decade, minimally.
0: So in this conversation, I think there's some clarity about who are the people who are being affected by this neglect. And I think often, especially in cases of environmental disaster, sometimes we don't as explicitly name who are the people causing that neglect, what are the institutions, what are the structures that are choosing to fail. It's not just individuals at the top of the hill. There are bodies that you're struggling against and pushing for accountability. Who are those people? Are they public? Are they private? Is it a little bit of both?
3: Sure. So there are a group of us um, that work alongside the residents, right? We have a legal team and then we have a science team. For As far as the litigation, we have a pending suit against a set of defendants at City of Centerville, Township of Centerville. And Common Fields of Cahokia, which is also responsible for part of the sanitary sewer system.
1: It really resonates this as a the, one of the just most glaring examples of the system and however you think of system uh, not working and failing. I'm really curious on the other side of like not just how they're failing, but how solidarity is showing up in, in in this time amongst the community and amongst these multi-generations that have been enduring these conditions. How are folks taking care of each other? How are folks connecting? So that's one form of solidarity. And then I'll also offer this other lens of there are a lot of other communities throughout the Midwest and throughout the, the country, really, that are experiencing these catastrophic conditions, right? Like this is, again, a, a system that is in failure. So I think we think of Flint as something that's got a lot of attention, but there are a lot of disaster stories are there solidarities with other communities or Flint per se, right, that that are experiencing water crisis, that are experiencing issues with sewage or uninhabitable conditions? Uh, so just to rephrase, uh, solidarity within the community in Centerville in this small knit area, uh, but then also solidarity with other communities that are surviving and having to endure through resilience.
2: We do have a community organization and we meet twice a month. And we try to find ways to go to the different agencies and try to get help. We work together. That's the best we could do. We are Centerville Citizens for Change. That's us. (laughs) You can go on. um, I was just going to say, plug the website. I'm about to tell it. I'm about to tell it. (laughs) Flooded and Forgotten yeah you can go on there and see stories that residents have have told about what has happened. You can even donate. We are doing what we know to do. It's a cruel world. You asked about the world, it's cruel. Mm-hmm. But this is what we have. This is what's given us, and we have to do what we can. In this cruel world, I also think Ms. Valerie's being a little humble. <laughs> They're very active.
3: They have a a subcommittee that oversees a community fund for repairs to homes because nobody here is been helping them, and that's for Centerville residents, not just their
2: committee members, right? Committee members are the last to try and get help. We want to help the other people in in the area. You know, we want to help them before we help ourselves. And we're going to try and do what we can to try to fix some things in the residents' homes. The city's not doing this. This is Centerville Citizens for Change. That's us. It's important to stress that that's
3: the residents, right? And so, like, even with all the press that they've received or with Governor Pritzker, appearing down here that's that's due to the residents that's the le- they they wrote a letter last august right yeah and that all of us and the legal team we demanded a response right before that there was no engagement same thing with the iepa yeah they've been pulled to the table but i think it's always important to stress that the engagement of local officials everyone who is at the table now Paying attention, it's because the residents have made them come to the table. They have
2: engaged the media, and it's through pure shame. (laughs) (laughs) But but, as she said, I am really thankful to Tammy Duckworth. She came in, and she was right there, and she's still been right there to help out. Because what
3: happens is the local officials... They get their snapshot of their press conference when Governor Pritzker's in town or when Senator Duffer's in town. And then it's like, oh, look we'll at them down there fixing those Centerville issues, right? But it's the residents. The residents have pulled them in. All, all credit should be given to their mobilization and continuing to meet, right? Two times a month is a lot. And also we do it in the evenings on a weekday when I know they get tired of <laughs> And the meetings can go long and then they have to vote on things, right? We get off the call and the residents vote on what they want to happen with the issues that are presented to them. And that's a lot of work. They're doing that and constantly asking them to participate in calls because we won't do calls unless a resident is on them. I don't know how you make decisions without the people at the table who have things are happening to, right? They're still showing up because I know it gets exhausting. I get exhausted and I'm not living it. It's
1: time. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, organizing in all of its forms is exhausting, but while enduring such conditions. But there's still like something that's missing for me or something that, that I'm struggling to understand about this because I'm hearing a lot of local like bad behavior, or irresponsibility. One, just a, a clarification question, in how the the municipalities are reorganized, are you saying that none of the elected folks experience in these conditions?
3: Well, they will tell you that they do. They will tell you that they live in Centerville. I can't speak to their personal circumstances.
0: but they're not your, they're not your neighbor. You're saying
3: they're not my neighbors. Yeah. So if they say they do, then I guess we have to take that at face value. I, you know, residents um, who have lived here for decades believe otherwise, particularly with one official and some aldermen. I mean, the residents have yet to be wrong about anything they tell us. I'll put it that way.
0: (laughs) So to that point, the theme that's come through these conversations that we've had with people doing environmental justice work is when there is that seat at the table, it's most often to talk about the lived experience, and then there's this expectation that the people with that lived experience will be quiet while the experts decide what to do, and experts with a, a hard air quote on it. In framing this work and in this fight, how have y'all tried and, and in what ways has it been effective to push back on that, of not just we're here to talk about how bad these conditions are, but also we have ideas and plans for how to transform the place that we live in?
3: I think the really honest answer to that is we have pissed off a lot of people along the way because people are so used to doing things the way that they do them, which is especially government, right? It's a bureaucracy. I used to work for the state of Illinois. I know how it's built. So when we have these conversations, um, we push back hard. And so it's simple logistical things like we won't schedule a meeting until we can get a resident or they'll send us an agenda and we'll say, great, here's our agenda. And then we push the residents at the top because it'll be their agenda with everything they're going to talk at us about. And we're like, no, no, the residents are going first and then we're going to talk about the solutions they want to hear. People are learning, but it's like you have to reteach them every time you have an interaction. And we had an in-person meeting not long ago. I, don't know, I guess it didn't go very well. You know what I'm talking about? The one that was outside.
2: Oh, yeah. No, it did
3: And that was a pushing back of literally it, it was it, the person kept telling us this is the way we've always done it. And we, we were like, but that doesn't work because it's not been helping us. You need to put us first. You need to let the residents lead the conversation. And we always, speaking of experts, we always tell people the residents are the experts. And we always say that's like you're the experts in your situation. You know more. Any of us know, I don't know if I have a special recipe for it because I think it's a balance, and Ms. Valerie can speak to that because we want the residents to be able to tell people what the issues are because they know not only what's happening to them but like where the water's coming from, how long the sewage issues have been going on, and what triggers the sewage, what triggers right? They know those things, and that helps folks know, but also like, who wants to keep talking about that? You know, and so, I don't know what that balance is. I just know that we try to strike that balance as best as we can and that our priority as a team, Khalil and I, is the residents and they speak first, not us. They're centered. But then sometimes I know that clashes with the residents who are like, I'm tired of talking about this. Like, I don't want to, and so like,
0: I don't know, Ms. Bradley, how you feel if it balances out or not.
2: Sometimes, sometimes I'll be sick of it. I,
0: know. I want to give an opportunity to think about what. This community could look like beyond quote fixing this problem, so let's say you and your neighbors got to design and decide what your community looked like. What do you hope is included in that transformation? What do you hope your block, your street, your community looks like if you got to to decide what that would be?
2: A safe and decent place
1: period so in hearing this story right, and learning more about it, I think it it reveals so many of the mythologies we have about our society at large you know one of the things in like air quote america uh is if you work hard or if you are a good person right like a basic standard or quality of life we call other places the third world and this is like the developed society uh i again air quoted for people listening at home
0: we gotta Um, let them know
1: we've had some right right and so we have these notions of like individual merit and all of that but in that imagination people are not responsible for their sewage system right people are not responsible for their building electricity grid people are not responsible for making sure that there are roads, right? That is supposed to be the collective responsibility. That's why we exist as a society is to have this infrastructure and to have the support to have a certain quality of life. And so seeing that, whether it's federally on a state level, and I hear a particular responsibility for these local officials, seeing that not being met again, what does that teach you about our world, like I hear, I hear this like cruelty being spoken. I'm almost like kind of want to unpack that, and then I mean, I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna, I use big words. So I'm gonna keep it buck right. Like if I can't get water, then this is all bullshit. <laughs> and so,
3: right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess yeah. My response is somewhere similar in that vein. Like, I mean, the lesson to me out of this, I mean, I'm cynical. So, and it's been the nature of the practice of law, which made me even more disenchanted. If you don't have money or influence, right, then you aren't insured access to basic shit.
2: Because mm-hmm. right? we can't get water, not decent water to drink. Hell, we have to go and pick up water where <laughs> here we go again. Send bill citizen citizens for change, get the residents water to drink. So we up a damn creek without a paddle. Where do we go from here? Hell, we already got shit up over our head. Nah, uh, I didn't got tired here for the night. I'm about to get upset. So, okay, y'all have to talk to Nicole from from this forward. I can't talk no more.
1: Understood. I hear you,
0: and I think we'll close up with one last piece, and we can direct it to you, Nicole. As folks who are not in the the day to day of this fight and are connecting these dots, but aren't doing the work that y'all are doing. What are the things that we and and organizations and positions like Elevate need to be doing differently, need to be doing better? What are the lessons that we should learn from the folks doing the work that y'all are doing?
3: Mm. Lessons? Um,
1: Or support that is needed.
3: Sure. The work should be community-centered. It should be about what the community needs. Whenever there are problems in a community, just like agencies or municipal uh, officials, state, county, whoever they are, they craft the solutions they think are needed and then they they take off and they do whatever. But that doesn't work. Folks really need to be engaged in communities. I mean, we keep seeing applications and things that are um, submitted that don't reflect what the community actually wants or needs. And it's just a waste of time and resources. Um, As far as support, like she said, they have a, a bottle of water pickup. Elevate has been great in supporting that. Their community repair fund, They're always taking donations for that because, like she said, that's for Centerville residents to have their homes repaired. Really, honestly, always amplifying the issue. That's all. I mean, the one thing that really helps is keeping this issue in the media and part of conversation because the minute it's taken out of conversation is when, unfortunately, business as usual is able to continue, right? And even with all eyes on Centerville, it's still. We still find ourselves pushing back to make sure the message is amplified and that the residents' needs are forefront. So amplifying the issues in Centerville, right, whether that's sharing the story or engaging other press or media to cover the story. We get a lot of media who want to cover it, but then once they realize, oh, someone else has covered it, then they're not interested. What makes a story valuable and worth sharing or talking about, right?
0: That's such a meaningful critique and important piece for sure. I think we should not take any more of y'all's time. (laughs) I really, really appreciate the patience and the thoughtfulness and the commitment for what it's worth, and it's worth very little. We see the fight, we see the cost, we see how this sits on your shoulders in the ways that we can. I don't, it's not not much, but it's what I got. And thank you both so much for taking the time to talk with us.
2: Yeah, no, I appreciate the
0: interest and you all covering it, I really do. Is there anything that we left out that you want to make sure gets included in the convo?
2: It just really aggravates me. It really works me up when I talk about it because I live it. I live it every day. We're looking for a storm today. And (laughs) my house is subject to be flooded. I, I just can't deal with it. It's hell.
0: Whew. Nicole
1: Nelson and Valerie Marion talking to us from Centerville, Illinois. Like I said in the conversation, you know, this is one of the most significant things like I've talked about on the show or gotten to engage or learn from firsthand. I'm sure after hearing this, none of you will forget And it's really important that we keep Centerville um, centered in our understanding of what's going on in this state and in this nation. And that when we talk about environmental racism and therefore environmental justice, it is not abstract. It is really direct in terms of the consequences and impact. So I am grateful for this learning and I hope that y'all were able to take away some some valuable lessons as well. Go to floodedandforgotten.com and click on their donate page, which will lead you to the Centerville Citizens for Change Home Repair Community Fund. Again, that's the Centerville Citizens for Change Home Repair Community Fund. Please contribute whatever you can. As always, you should subscribe to Climate Change Makers in your podcast
0: app. Um, follow the work of Elevate at elevatenp.org. Follow Ergo, A-I-R-G-O, on all your podcast apps. And we'll be back next month Learning from, documenting, and celebrating the people fighting for a just and equitable world in which everyone has clean and affordable heat, power, and water in their homes and communities, no matter who they are or where they live.
1: Much love to the people. Peace.